Welcome to Genuine Life Recovery with me, Jody Stevens. We're here to help you and your loved ones overcome addictions and other addiction-related mental health challenges. In this show, we dive into the physical, emotional, psychological, medical, and spiritual aspects of addiction, mental health, recovery, family dynamics, codependency, and more. Welcome back, friends. Today I am joined by Mitch Gray. Mitch Gray is an author, speaker. He's also host of the Mitch Gray podcast, and his book is called How to Hire and Keep Great People, which is very important. Mitch is also a certified mental health group facilitator. And so today we're talking about mental health and leadership and how the two integrate. And Mitch is also going to share his battle with mental health and depression, and also how mental health impacts leadership and tons more stuff. Welcome, Mitch. Hey, Jody. Thanks for having me on. Very yeah. excited to uh, have this conversation today. Me too. Where are you at in the in the country? Where are you? Where's home for you? I'm in New Mexico. So, what's the weather like there uh, this time of year? This year, it's really, really hot. I think it's like 105 uh-huh. today. So yeah, oh, nice. abnorm- abnormally hot. Normally not this this hot. I'm in Reno, Nevada. I was in Sacramento for 17 years before that. I grew up in Alaska. So I've had a lot of weather changes, but Sacramento was like New Mexico where, you know, we get to be like 110 degrees, way too hot. Yeah. Uh, Hey, friends, please share this show with anybody you know struggling with addiction and other mental health challenges. You can share it on social media. You can listen on iTunes and Spotify and Amazon and your favorite listening apps, and also on my website by clicking podcast at jodystevens.org. So, Mitch, this is going to be fun because this show is usually about addiction and recovery and related mental health challenges. However, I do have a master's degree in leadership and then working on an MS in addiction counseling. And so I've never really bought, brought the leadership aspect into the show. And I'm glad that I get a chance to do that with you because I really do think that they go hand in hand. And maybe you can speak to this, but I think a lot of people don't really understand or think about that very much. Like, what would recovery have to do with leadership or what would mental health have to do with leadership? But when we really think about it, it kind of has everything to do with it, doesn't it? Yeah. And the, and the other thing I would add there is, you know, when, when we when we use the word addiction and uh, and oftentimes this is because we're, we're inundated either um, with the word addiction from a, a medical standpoint or an, an educated perspective. And so most often when people hear the word addiction, they immediately think drugs or alcohol first. Right. Um, with, with the, uh, the perspective and, and the, and the positively growing perspective and awareness of uh, medicated addictions, whether that's through over the counter drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think we're making a mistake when that is our shallow view of addiction. In other words, mm, yeah. when it comes down to the end of the day, we're all addicted to something or most, most of the <laughs> time, the yeah. most of the, yeah, we're, we're addicted to multiple things. And, and to me, that is the beginning of the conversation when it comes to leadership and our health and addiction is the internal perspective of uh, what am I addicted to? And we also, you know, the other thing I would back up on is we often view addiction as a negative. 
And addiction yeah. can actually be a positive. And when, and when you really, and you know this as someone who's educated in those fields, mm -hmm. uh, you, when, when you're working through addictive programs, recovery, you know, really one of the first steps that's taken is you can't just, just uh, pull something away from the system. And now we're yeah. talking about the internal system, the metabolic system, the psychiatric system, the emotional system. You can't mm -hmm. just remove something and expect it to be void. It has to be replaced with something. And really, at the end of the day, what we're doing psychologically, emotionally, is we're pulling away an addiction, but we're, rep we're, we're replacing it with a positive, uh, what I like to call an addiction to light of some sort or other. Yeah. And that, to me, is where the conversation begins with leadership and the role that it plays. Because let's be honest, Jody, one of the greatest uh, feats that a person endeavors is to lead yourself. And when we're talking addiction of any sort, one of the greatest adventures and the most challenging adventures anyone goes on when it comes to addictions is leading yourself. And we don't give ourselves enough room, space, and permission to actually do that. And therefore, we don't give ourselves enough credit <laughs> for the leading that we actually take part in on a daily basis. And so just like addiction, we also, also often have a shallow view and def definition of leadership. Oh, you're in a leadership position. Well, the fact of the matter is every time you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, you've taken on a leadership position. And that's yeah. where the greatness of leadership truly begins. Mm, I love everything that you just said. A couple things that you know, stand out to me is, you know, we've all seen the quintessential fall from grace, you know, and what I think, you know, breaks my heart, it typically happens with sports stars and, you know, things like that, you know, people that don't maybe have that grounding, they've got all the talent, but they don't have that, that, that sort of grounding and they've never seen themselves as a leader. And then suddenly they fall and they lose everything and they didn't even know what was going on. And, and I think you're so right that, that most of us don't. Like when I went and got my MA in leadership at the time, I was doing morning drive on a radio station. I had this huge platform, blah, blah, blah. All these things were going on. But I I had really crappy self-esteem, you know, even though I'd been sober for a long time, it was just a struggle. And I think that a lot of us feel that way. And it never occurred to me that I was a leader. Like it never even, right. and it took right. me a couple months into this program to where I started to see myself as a leader. But the reality is that I, I really was a leader. And I think back to the addiction piece is anytime you, even if you're just sponsoring someone to help them stay sober or like you here, you're doing this mental health, you're facilitating a group. So you're raising up other leaders to help them lead themselves. And that's really, I, I think, um, one of the key pieces of leadership. It's it's really about the art of self discovery, right? It's about yeah. It's about this idea, of, you know, when we're talking about addiction specifically, it's about the idea of discovering the value within yourself, and then yeah. all of a sudden giving yourself permission to make different decisions, and then giving yourself the ability to surround yourself with the correct environments, people, influences that will help you be successful. Without all three of those elements it's really difficult to make those changes. And the same applies for when we're talking about the, the discovery of leadership, when mm -hmm. we can really start to understand, hey, I am a leader, regardless of my job status, my title, how much money I make or don't make, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the, the greatest, again, the greatest really discovery you can make is to go, I am leading myself and in leading myself, I'm going to be able to lead others at a much deeper level. Because 
we're all influencing someone or something or both outside of ourselves. And that's why that art of discovering that we're a leader, regardless of any circumstance, is really valuable because then it helps us have the perception of, I am influencing others. I am influencing the environment around me. And that is a really, uh, you know, that's an amazing discovery to me. I call it a miraculous discovery because that's when we start Mm -hmm. understanding the power that we hold as humans, but also as spiritual beings in this life is that we Mm -hmm. hold this amazing, uh, miraculous, incredible, immeasurable power that, by the way, all of these other pieces of life, whether it's mental health, emotional health, psychiatric, spiritual, they all show us and tell us the same story. And that Mm -hmm. is that we are more powerful than oftentimes we imagine. And so that is the crux to then beginning to understand I can be whole and healed as a person. It is an ever going process. And that is perfectly okay that it's a process of continued growth, continued support, offering support to others. And if that's not leadership, Jody, then what really is? <laughs> right. I mean, that is no. the epitome of leadership. Mm-hmm. No, and you're you're so right. It's the the concept of looking inward and then we lead kind of there's a great book called Leading from the Inside Out. I forget who wrote it, but basically that says it all. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like yeah, the title yeah. right there. I mean, that's kind of what what it's really all about is we we look inward, figure out, you know, we get our own house in order before we lead others. But I think that there's a misnomer as to what leadership is. I think people don't, yes. we, we think of, you know, there's different types of leadership. There's sort of the authoritarian, right? And that's what a lot of us think of leadership is this militant kind of do as I say, right? And then there's, the sort of laissez-faire, what they call leader, which is what I had for many years in in the uh, after thirty years in radio, it was one or the other, right? So it was kind right. of this hard knock leader, or it was just chaos, do whatever you want, right? And then there's this kind of what they call democratic style leadership, was which is a mix of both, which we're 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 leading but also empowering at the same time. And so maybe you can speak to that. I think that people don't really know what leadership means. Obviously, in in the home environment's one thing, but then in the work environment, like what what is a good leader? Yeah, and I love that you differentiated those because we are talking a lot about the the personal side of leadership. Mm-hmm. And and then you do step into different roles and different kind of antics of where that leadership plays out. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's crazy in the workplace is we're often told who the leaders are rather than being given the space to recognize who they might be. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Cause usually and, the and leaders you, are the people that don't get a chance to lead it, or whatever. You know what I mean? Exactly like that's right. how I yeah. felt. <laughs> yeah, no, you you're know? exactly right. And, and, and usually the people that are promoted to positions of quote leadership Aren't, aren't the most adept at the qualities you want in a great leader, whether that's empowerment, positivity, uh, teamwork, inspiration. I mean, all of those wrapped into one is what you really want in a great leader. But so often yeah. people are promoted because of tenure, availability. Maybe they've earned it from, you know, t- it happens in sale, the sales industry a lot. Someone's a oh, great salesperson. So, so it's assumed that they'll be a great leader. And most of the time they aren't. They're a great salesperson. Yeah. So let them play their role well. 
But again, it's the people that have been promoted to leadership positions that may not know how to recognize true great leadership that are now asked to promote the people that aren't usually great leaders. So we have this mad cycle that just continues oh over and over and over. And so then we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, who, who are really proving the people around us, who, who's really proving themselves out? And yeah. we know this when it comes to everyday life. I mean, let's, let's just take our example, because I love to follow this pattern that you've already set on your show. If someone is going through, you know, addiction change and they're really setting their life up for success away from negative addiction, they know and have been taught and understand that they can be in certain environments and, and, and be really full and whole. They can be in other environments and it brings them down. And I just yeah. believe in the good of humanity. And I just believe that 99.999% of people walking the earth want to be in that positive environment. So we know at our deepest human level how to recognize that energy and that opportunity. But for some reason, we lose our ever-loving mind when it comes to recognizing that in the workplace and in the marketplace. And we just lose all of our senses. But really, that's driven by, in my opinion, one major element, and that element is fear. Yeah. There is so much of that, you know, and, and, and if you go to the root of addictions, which is low self-esteem and not knowing who we are and maybe codependency, which yes. was in my case, which then breeds this this fear. And then when we take it into the workplace, we have this zero sum game mentality, which was what media was like for years and years. It was like, I got mine. And if you, if you come in that I won't get it and all this competition, it was just so stupid. Uh, because if you, the, the, the more you create leaders, the bigger you become, it's just that it may not always be right. Just about you. <laughs> right. You yes. know, but yes. yeah, you just, you see that, that fear and that, you know, um, lack of, I mean, the reason why I left after 30 years was it was like, I kept, I was like the idea person, but none of the ideas we, nobody ever wanted to do. And so I, right. I real I figured I was just this person that, that oh, the only thing I could do was do what I was told. Um, and, and, and I never thought of myself as a visionary until I left and I, come up with all these other ideas. And, and my friend was like, you know, you remind <laughs> me of those visionary people. And I said, I, I'm a, I'm a crushed visionary. Like, I, <laughs> like mm. everywhere I go, you know, and then people will say, well, we like that you think outside of the box, but we can't do any of that stuff, you know? And, and it is, it, I, I think all of that, right. Comes down to fear of, I mean, what are they people afraid of? They're afraid of, that they won't be the leader anymore or that maybe someone will take over or that mm. at, at the crux of it, you know, at the core of it, that maybe they just won't matter anymore. I mean, do you mm. think that's kind of what's happening in the workplace because of the competition yeah. and lack of, you know, we don't bring this, what we're talking about, we don't bring this discussion into the workplace usually. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Because because no one knows how to have the conversation. Very few know how to have <laughs> right. the conversation. <laughs> Which is why you and I are talking about it, right? Because it's, yeah. it's about raising that awareness. And so you pose a great question, the question of what are people afraid of, which leads to another question, and that is, what is the genesis of fear? Mm -hmm. And so it's really because most people aren't going to answer honestly the question, what are you afraid of? Rarely are any of us going to answer that honestly. But if we back it up further and go, okay, but what's the genesis or the beginning of your fear? Where is that coming from? 
then it's okay. The real answer is if we're honest, all fear is based on insecurity. Yeah. Because we don't know if you're, if you're on a hike in a wilderness that you've never been in filled with animals that you don't understand and you haven't picked very packed very much food because you didn't know what you were getting into, you all of a sudden have all of this fear. But if all of a sudden you have a guide with you and the guide says, no, 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 I packed all the food. Here's how we're going to stay away from the animals that are scaring you. Oh, by the way, here's the plants that we can eat. And I brought a map. Now, all of a sudden, you may have a little <laughs> right. trepidation because you've never had this experience, but your fear is no longer based on lack of knowledge because you have an expert there with you. And so yeah. that fear is so often based in insecurity, which is often based on ignorance. We don't know what we don't know. And so then we yeah. go, okay, what's the barrier to ignorance? The barrier to getting over and through ignorance is pride. Mm, yeah. The only yeah. time people don't ask questions when they don't know the answers because of pride. Well, I, well, I, it's embarrassing. I may mm. look weak. I, I, these people may not view me as a strong leader because I don't understand. And so when you wrap all of that in, the result you get is fear, which leads to all of the results that you've shared within your experiences. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you've got people in all these leadership positions that are ignorant, have never really been taught how to lead, may not even want to lead. No one ever asked them the question if they want a leadership position. They just got promoted and got paid really well, so they took it because yeah. they'd be dumb not to. But no one's really ever asked, do you really want to be a leader? Because I would say 50 to 60% of them would say, no, I really don't want the responsibility. And so now mm -hmm. you've got all these insecure, ignorant people that are filled with fear, and you wonder why we have a, such a, a competitive marketplace, why we're not bringing out greater leaders, why we're not empowering people with culture. Well, it makes yeah. all the sense in the world when you throw all those elements in. Again, I want to go back to our addictive environment, <laughs> yeah. and that is if I say I want to get away from alcohol, but I live in a liquor store, good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and then so much of recovery is releasing that control, which really ties into yes. the leadership. You know, yes. that's where after 16 years sober, when I'm in an environment and I see this stuff going on, that's when I can go, God grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change, <laughs> right. the courage to change what I can. You know, and so it's it's right. that thing of where I, I think in honestly in healthy leadership environments there can be a lot of chaos, right? Because it's we're we're kind of you know and, and just like in recovery, if I'm if I'm in a good mental health facility and I'm trying to empower people, they're going to kind of be all over the place, and there's going to yes. like I'm not really going to yes. have a lot of control of everything, but there might be some really healthy stuff going on, and so I think yes. there's so much of of recovery and leadership is we have to let go of that need to control. And that is one of the hardest things. And, and so as people recovering from mental health, we kind of have that gift of, yeah. of knowing that, Hey, I've, I've got to let go of this control. And I think that um, fear maybe breeds that control and that's maybe rooted in so much of that, you know, 100% because what's the opposite of control. It's empowerment. The yeah. opposite of control is permission. The opposite of control is knowing that my role as a leader is to help Jody step into your full self, mm -hmm. which means my role is to not tell you how to step into that. My role is to empower what you already know about yourself. 
And mm-hmm. so that's what I call leading from our humanity. Leading from our humanity says, I know my weaknesses, I know my strengths, and I'm going to only function in my strengths because that's what lights the way to the path of success and fulfillment. But not only is it my role to do that for myself as a leader, it's now my burden and responsibility to help others do the same. So there's a great word and it's called facilitation. And, and you know, people are facilitators. That comes from the Latin facil which mm-hmm. means to make the way clear. So you just painted an environment of control, but what if all of yeah. our leaders took the perspective of, I'm only here to clear the path for others to walk. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I trust the process that they're smart people, that they're bringing talents and skills and knowledge to the table, and that when they don't know, we can all come together and learn together as a community. So Let's look at that environment. And I guarantee you, Jody, we could sit here and spell out the results of that type of working environment. I mean, it would change the game drastically. Totally. Well, and it's interesting because you as someone who's interested in therapy and you're um, a counselor, group counselor and stuff like that. One of the things we learn in therapy is ethics of empowering the client. So like, let's say you're my client, Mitch, and I'm going to share with you my story of alcoholism. Well, I probably shouldn't share it with you unless it's going to help you in some way. So everything that I look back, everything that I do is about empowering the, the, the client or the patient or whatever you want to call it. But, but, but the point of it is that I think if we looked at our workplace like that, it, it it's the same thing. Like it could be so life-changing because everything that, that we would do then would be, does this help empower this person or am I doing it because I need them to like me? I need them to be my friend or because right. I want to exploit their weakness or, you know, I mean, I've had all those things and more happen to me where, and I could, I could even see it coming. Like, wow, this person, they see the self-esteem and they're sitting there and they're working their way to take advantage of it. So just because someone um, understands their weakness doesn't mean they don't see the person exploiting it. You know what I mean? So, you know, I've had all those things happen, but I, I feel like that's where good, I don't want to say therapy, but good kind of mental health and um, leadership can come together when we're really focused on, empowering those in, in our, in our care. Yeah. Here's, here's the problem. Um, and it's what you've just identified. The, the problem is we have segregated and separated the workspace from personal life. Yeah. yeah and not totally. only have we done that for our employees, but we've done that for ourselves as leaders. And so we've said, okay, here's the work day that is compartmentalized separate and apart from my personal life. But the problem is within our humanness, that's impossible. Those are not separate and apart from each other. It just, and, and leaders, again, they understand this in their nature from the simple standpoint of how many leaders, and let's not even talk about employees right now. Let's just focus on leaders. How many people in leadership positions stress about work after the workday's over? Right. Right. How many leaders in leadership positions? So it's messing up your family, but you're not going to bring it to your work. (laughs) Right. And they know that, right? They know that in their nature and in their functionality. Now, whether they're aware of it and reflective on it, that's a different story. And so then we have to continue to ask the questions. And that is, okay, so how much time in a traditional workspace do people spend at work? Well, we know 
they spend more hours at work than they do with themselves or their families from a developmental standpoint and a time standpoint. We know that a 40 to 50 hour work week, that's the majority of someone's life is the workspace. And so then my question becomes to people in leadership positions, if that's the case, then what value are you bringing to the lives of your employees? What opportunity are you bringing to the lives of your employees? If all you're doing is demanding that people come to work in exchange for a paycheck, then you're serving zero purpose on this earth. In my opinion, you may be profitable. You may be making money. You may be developing a great product. But in the end, the presence and the energy and the opportunity that you're giving is is mute. It is non-existent. All you're really doing is adding stress, negativity, and hardship. And again, I tend to believe in the good of humanity. I think if you ask people in their heart of hearts who are in leadership positions, own companies, operate companies, I think in the dark room by themselves, they would say, I want to do good for my people. I yeah. want to do good for the people that are working with and for me. If that is your sincere answer, then it's time to take a look in the mirror and go, okay, but what value are we really giving people? Because if they're going home stressed, if they're going home disengaged, if they're going home to 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 cope with the workday, if all they're celebrating is TGIF, then we're not bringing good value to the people working with us. Yeah. No, that's so true. That's a great point. And I'm wondering where this mentality came from of the separation. You know, I mean... As a as a woman working with all male bosses for thirty years, it was very like you know, <laughs> like don't yeah. don't show in like why and I love you know my last boss. He was very like laissez faire though, which was nice in a way. I mean, he let you make your own decisions, but to the point of where like he never intervened. Like it was like oh my gosh, I was my own boss, but <laughs> and I was good at that, but. But it was very, um, he would always say to me, you know, I could get emotional around him, but it, oh, don't, you know, don't go to the boss like that. Mm. Don't go to that in the meeting. Don't, don't show that emotion, <laughs> you know, and it's okay. like, okay, yeah. you know, I mean, where did we get that from anyways? It, I don't think all cultures are like that. I think it's very no. much an American no. thing. I'm sure there's a few others, but we're very, we're still kind of like that. Yeah. Do we really have time for that one? <laughs> <laughs> because that's the fair question. You know, I mean, I, I do think it, I think as an American society and, and there are, there are other illusions in other cultures, but I, I agree with you. I, I think as a very Western modern American society, we've kind of, uh-huh. we've kind of screwed up the whole system. And in my opinion, this is, this is my perception. I do think it harkens back to our beginning. I mean, let's be honest. This country was founded on bloodshed, murder, and genocide. And it was right. founded from the standpoint of uh, white authoritarianism. And that's why I asked the question, do we really have time to go into that? Because it breeds a whole new conversation. But you're, you're, you're right from the standpoint of it's that very male-spirited authoritarianism that this culture mm-hmm. in America has been completely founded on. Some of our greatest influences in this country, when you talk about conservative Christianity, et cetera, are very founded on male authoritarianism. And so it's right. just kind of bled into the culture of everything. It's the, the male is the head of the table, head of the household, head of the workspace. And so you throw in racism, ethnicity, culturalism, et cetera, et cetera much less you brought up the topic of being a female in the workspace. I mean, good grief. It hasn't been very long ago 
that not only, you know, females were, they were thrown into the category of not being able to, you know, go to a certain level, be promoted to a certain level, thrown in with other, you know, uh, uh, races and ethnicities. I mean, it just, and we're still fighting those battles, right? It's still not equal ground. And so, but let's go back to, and, and again, this could be a whole nother episode when we start looking back on the cultures (laughs) of humanity. (laughs) Yeah. We could start looking back on the cultures of humanity and it's amazing how many ancient cultures actually founded their spiritual perception on the feminine, not the masculine. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, when you really yeah, start digging- women are better leaders. Like we're more, cause we're more emotional, democratic connecting. And I think, I think the combination of the two can be a beautiful thing. I think we need, I think we need all the different sides and perspectives, you know? Well, it's, it's all, it's all a part of the fabric of humanity, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's all involved, yeah, exactly. all hands on deck. And, and that's how you create a community. A, a community isn't create a true community isn't created on authoritarianism. It's created in right. inclusivity. And so, mm-hmm. but again, that harkens back to how do you truly promote leaders? Do you promote leaders by demand, by necessity, or do you promote leaders because they're the ones that rise to the top when it matters most? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the question. You know, we used to have a saying back in the day, the cream will rise to the top. Under situations of pressure, you're going to know who the who the influential people are. And it's not the people that are demanding respect and authority. It's the people that are the natural gatherers, organizers, and thought purveyors that then rise to the table to bring their people along. Those are the real leaders. But I haven't seen those questions or characteristics on a job resume in ever. You know, it's like, are you a purveyor yeah. or a visionary? Well, no, the people aren't asking those questions because I don't think they really understand those. And it's, I think, and it goes too back to that control issue is can we let those people, right, just, just rise right. to the top? You know, for me, I always felt like it was this weird um, dance. Yes. Because I would hear things like, well, you're our star you know, you're our, you know, and, and you, you know, and, and then, and then I do something and then it was, I get smacked down. Well, if you don't like it, we'll find somebody else. So it was like, right, right. okay, you yep. can, you can, you can rise to here, but not any further. And if you do, we're going to mm-hmm. smack you down. We're going to lift you up. We're going to smack you down. We're gonna... I got so tired of that game. <laughs> I mean, it was just, God. Anyway, well, I, you know, it's, it's and it wasn't all bad. I don't want to like sit here, right. you know, complain about, you know, my life. There were many wonderful things and, right. you know, in that world, but um, it was kind of like uh, media politics, you know, where you have, you have the, um, the same problems everywhere, but it's a little bit heightened because you have ego and narcissism and more of that involved in that type of environment. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, yes. And it goes back to that insecurity. You know, and, and the crazy thing is, is the, the human story is very much this, regardless of what culture you, you know, trail back to their emergence or beginning. Every culture has stories about at some point we didn't understand the mysteries. And so we started to try and fabricate that through language. And that's exactly what you've seen in the stories that you're sharing about your experiences. And by the way, these are the experiences that almost everyone is walking through. We're told we yeah. have freedom. We told we're told we can use our imagination. We're told we can use our idealism, but then it gets thrown back in our face. Well, that's directly tied to the insecurity of not understanding. In other words, you know, you you go to you you go to the person yeah. that's uh, in charge of you or your department, and you say, "I have this idea." Well, they don't comprehend or understand, and so that breeds the fear, which comes from the insecurity. 
rather than taking the approach of, oh my gosh, let's nurture this. Let's yeah. discover this and let's see where it leads. And the other thing we haven't really discussed yet is there is a time factor here. And I think that's another thing that has that, that is directly related to a very American culture of we have to work 40 weeks. We have to get things done at a certain time. We have to meet the demands. And too oftentimes when you tighten the reins on the schedule that much and it's all just based on productivity, yeah. you actually lose the ability to see the opportunity for creativity. But without mm -hmm. creativity, you yeah. don't have opportunity. And without opportunity, you don't have productivity. And so I've always bent toward, I'm going to give people freedom because I think they're smart. And if I don't right. think they're smart, then yeah. why did I hire them? And guess who that falls on? Me. <laughs> and yeah. I carry the responsibility yeah. completely. And so um, I do know this, and we know this again, your background and all the areas you have in your education we know that the human spirit, when it is given freedom to operate, to explore, to discover, to be curious, it never fails us. It's never yeah. failed us before. It'll never fail us again. And so to me, when I'm talking to leaders, it's like, how can I challenge the system in their minds to go give more freedom, not more demand? Yeah. That is brilliant in its simplicity. It's can be challenging to do, though, particularly in this corporate world that's always beholden to the budget, 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 right? We've got the, the yearly budget, the monthly budget, the quarterly budget. And so we tend to lose sight of, like you said, the humanity of it all, and we're just on a hamster wheel. That was, for me, why I had to leave. I had to get off that hamster wheel. Mitch, it has been so amazing talking to you. Part one, we're going to come back next on the next show and continue talking with Mitch Gray. He's going to share his story of battling depression and mental health challenges and how that propelled him towards leadership. We're going to talk about overcoming church wounds. We're going to talk about certain cultures and certain Christian cultures that don't believe in mental health and recovery. We're going to talk about how to make the workplace a valuable foundation of life and how that can actually promote health and recovery in our personal lives. And we'll talk about leading from our humanity and how when we learn to connect on a personal level, then we can begin to empower leaders and make, you know, not just our lives, but the workplace, what it was supposed to be, what it was meant to be. So thanks, Mitch Gray, for being here. Can't wait to chat with you next time. Mitch Gray, G-R-E-Y. You can find Mitch on LinkedIn. His website is recruitgreatpeople.com. And his book is called How to Hire and Keep Great People. It's got a lot of great reviews on Amazon. So check it out, friends. And thank you so much for listening to Genuine Life Recovery. You can find this show on most apps, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon, and also by clicking podcast at jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S.org. And of course, always looking for great guests to share their experience, their overcoming addiction, mental health challenges, things like that. Feel free to reach out. You can email me. It is genuinelife at jodystevens.org. So thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time.